0: No purchase necessary void are prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bye.
1: better things to do with my money. Welcome to the Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller podcast. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me is the rookie Chris Stashu.
2: It's mutated DNA
1: and it's in the sewers. But nothing
2: could survive in the sewers of New York, right? Not turtles or alligators or other
1: things. I was waiting for a giant alligator reference, but yeah.
2: Okay. Right. Me too. Me too. I was, I was waiting for that as well.
1: On this episode, we're talking about three episodes of the original Barney Miller show. Not that there were any remakes. Thank goodness. We are talking about the DNA story, which aired originally December 13th, 1979. The dentist, which aired originally December 27th, 1979 and people's court, which aired on January 3rd, 1980. We're breaking into the eighties in this episode. And we don't have a Christmas episode. I was so surprised. Neither Christmas nor do I think we had uh, Thanksgiving. We didn't have Luger coming over and begging to go over and uh, hang out with Barney. Nor do we get Luger in any of these episodes we're talking about this month.
2: No. uh, uh, Kind of a shame. Kind of a shame. A shame. He's a welcome presence. I will say. Of all the cast members going into the 80s that look like they are ready to be in the 80s, there really is only one. And that's uh, that's Harris. Oh. Everybody else looks firmly planted in the 70s.
1: Man, those ties are so wide. Yeah, everybody's boy. ties. And yeah, Harris is stylish.
2: I know, man. He's But he always is. He always has been. He's the one who's got the pocket square. So he's got the perfectly manicured hair. But yeah, of all the people going into the 80s that look like they're ready for the 80s, it's definitely Harris. But uh, apparently Wojo Owitz is up to some trouble, I guess, all of a sudden in in, in this episode. He shows up late all of a sudden, all the time. Yeah,
1: didn't know that that was a thing. I would think that uh, we would have made a bigger deal about that at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was late way early on, back when I think he was banging Wentworth, or maybe it was somebody else he was banging. Definitely wasn't Wojo's girl, though We try not to talk about that episode around here (laughs) for those episodes. That's like the
2: Voldemort of this show. Just don't mention it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, he's late. And uh, Barney goes out and takes the call instead of him. Oh boy. And then he comes in finally. But yeah, we've got a couple different stories. We've got that going on. We have a, the DNA of the title, a missing viral strain viruses. Who cares about viruses? They're never going to be a problem, are they? It's
2: actually in New York City, right?
1: Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Christ almighty.
2: Why? And you've got the bureaucrat who just goes, it's fine. It's all fine. There's nothing wrong. And it's like, boy, even in the 70s, early 80s, all the bureaucrats were always they've always been the same spineless sacks of shit that they continue to be. Mm
1: mm-hmm. Mm mm-hmm. And then we have the story of a woman who thinks that her husband is not her husband, and her husband, or maybe not her husband, played by our friend Jack Crucian, who we just saw on a Columbo episode uh, as a uh, Eastern European, not Soviet, uh, chess player. <laughs> right. Not Soviet. <laughs> sure. Definitely not Soviet. No.
2: Uh, yeah, I kind of found it weird that Jack krushen is in this episode, because uh, we just saw him in Columbo, because uh, the st- The storyline behind that makes no sense. And it's not even really ever brought to a
1: conclusion. No, it's really weird the way that they do that. What it gives us is two really good jokes about, did you check the house for pots?
2: Yeah. Uh, Well, and also it gives us something that we haven't gotten a whole lot of.
1: The inside of the bathroom. I've never seen the inside of the bathroom.
2: Okay, is this the first time then? I thought this might have been maybe the second time, but for sure I was like, okay. She's going into the bathroom and Harris is going into the bathroom. Are you telling me that we're going to see the inside of the bathroom of the precinct for the first time? Oh, my God.
1: We're going to see a corner of the,
2: the <laughs> Yeah, fair,
1: fair. We're not going to get a real sense of the geography of the space, but we are going to have Mitzi and Ron having a, a pretty good conversation in there. And it's basically, you know, hey, things change and you know, we get this whole explanation of um, that. Rudolph Kamen, played by Jack Christian, had tried to spice up their love life. It sounds like, and just because he was trying to do some new things, that's why she th- he th- she thinks he's a pod person.
2: Well, it's because people grow apart yeah. and together in relationships, and and I guess Barney Miller is teaching us that message. But it's such a hamfisted way to do it. it just it doesn't work very well because you know, for a show that has had Kenneth Tiger pretending to be, you know. I guess at one point what he's possessed and then he's being kind of like perturbed by ghosts. And then he's also the werewolf thing as well. Yeah. All of those things are actually happening. So why is that not what's happening here? Like I actually thought that it was going to be that. I mean, I'm sure. And I understand that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to actually have that be the case, but it also doesn't make sense to have Landisberg be an alien. But again, for all intents and purposes, I think he is. The show makes that clear to us. So it's just a weird way to handle something that the show has already handled really well
1: mm-hmm.
2: by actually committing to the thing that they're talking about as opposed to just pl- kind of playing coy with it.
1: Yeah. I found it funny because uh the Philip Kaufman remake of uh Envision of the Body Snatchers was released almost a year to the day prior of this episode coming out it came out december 22nd 78 and then this one comes out this is our our first one of the month so we're like mid-month of december but yeah i was i was very glad that it was very it it was kind of timely i would say that it was a better reference than the may the force be with you that we had a few episodes ago well
2: well given (laughs) that that's a reference that still lands in 2023 it's best kept far away from yeah yeah. Yeah. No, I, I did laugh when it was, the, they did the pod people thing twice. I, I, I did, I did get a good chuckle out of that.
1: Well, especially that Harris does it the first time he thinks it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious. And then Barney does it. And then Harris shames him for asking. Yeah. Cause he already made that joke. That's right. And it, it sounds much better coming from him. Barn. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, and then, you know what?
1: That's the other thing. Uh, Harris is right. Every, every joke does sound better coming from Harris. He's so good. Ryan yeah. Glass is just amazing. And then, yeah, of course, Dietrich coming in with, and dropping knowledge bombs all over the place. And the whole thing of him kind of talking about uh, Wojo being late and everything and just kind of like sliding in some daggers in there. It was pretty good.
2: Yeah, I I I like where they've gone with Wojo. I mean, they kind of have this early thing of the episode of like, oh, he's late and Barney has to step in for him. But I don't know, like, ultimately, that doesn't really
1: go anywhere. No, it doesn't, but it makes for funny later on when Wojo basically takes Barney's place where he's like, okay, what you got? And starts asking Barney all these questions. And then Barney eventually is like, you take the statement. Um, yeah. Sit down and shut up, Wojo.
2: No, I, I thought this was, I thought this was an interesting episode. I think ultimately though, the, the weird handling of the, the, the husband, wife clone storyline It could have been its own a plot if it had been done the way the show normally was going to do it, which is like keep dropping hints that he actually isn't the same person. Mm -hmm. That's what I was expecting. Not this like kind of musing on growing old in a relationship, which is fine. It is a pretty good scene uh, between uh, Ron Glass and Kay Medford, but it's I don't know. I'm not saying it's not that kind of show, but it hasn't been that kind of show in a while.
1: Well, it's also very strange that the blocking, they didn't seem to know what to do with the blocking of this episode because they weren't able to handle all the storylines correctly. So it was like during, I want to say it was part of the DNA storyline. Jack Christian is just standing there in front of the cage. He's not in the cage because he's not a criminal. He's just standing outside of the cage and you have all this action going on in the foreground and poor Jack Christian is just standing there in the, the mid ground or the background. And you're like, what's he doing? He's just standing there waiting for like the next interaction with him. Otherwise the poor man's just standing there. Right.
2: Which again, like, I don't know, like it, it, that, that blocking is weird. The way they handle it is weird. The fact that it, the fact that it is Ron Harris and her Mitzi came in the wife in the bathroom and now Barney is also kind of weird because it's another opportunity to be like Barney can step in and diffuse the situation because he can speak to relationships and people growing apart because he's dealt with that with mm-hmm. Barbara Barry who's you know on the p- show ostensibly still like again again like they, there was an opportunity to lean on the things that we already know and instead they like I mean I'm not saying Harris isn't the right person out of the conversation but why, Harris? Because right, Barney right. makes more sense. The- thematically and narratively, Barney would have made more sense, would have been a nice moment with how Linden and K. Medford. And we could have gotten to see some interesting character moments from Barney, who is often saddled with being the straight man, more right. or less constantly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I was okay with Harris doing it, but I agree that it feels more like Barney territory. And meanwhile, like you said, Barney doesn't have a lot to do with this episode. Really, this is Ron Harris's. Um, it's his episode, really. Ron yeah. Glass, Ron Harris.
2: Is it weird we've never mentioned that that he's essentially like this? It's just might as well be Ron Glass, right? <laughs> he's <not an> actor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, 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 every time I look at it, like he's the only one that really stands out as mm-hmm. like it's just yeah, he's just Ron
1: Harris. Do you know what the other weird thing is? Is that this is a December episode, and according to earlier this season. Uh, Dietrich is supposed to be at that Goethe Festival where they hit, just have a blast because remember um, Harris was trying to go to Wyoming on that yes. ski trip. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And here we are. It's, uh, you know, this they, uh, what was it? He always takes his vacation between December 2nd and 15th. And here we are, guys. They're both at the station. So uh, uh, I'm going to have to take to Twitter and complain now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this was a lesser This was a much lesser episode than we've seen this season. Oh, yeah. It just, it it didn't have, it didn't even have a whole lot of highs the way that the rest of the season has had. some And some really high highs. I mean, we've had some really good season. Season, like, more or less, this whole season has been very good. And now it's like, this is kind of a little bit of a stumbling block because, yes, there is the, you'll notice we haven't mentioned the DNA story a whole lot. You want to know why? Because it really doesn't go any, like, no. None of this story goes anywhere. None of the plot lines go anywhere. It's like, wow, why, why introduce these interesting things and do nothing with them?
1: The most interesting part of the DNA part is when a Martinez is brought in and he's the one that stole the DNA and was, uh, he, well, he stole it accidentally. It was in Petri dishes. He was selling all the equipment to a pawn shop basically. And that's what got him caught. And, I really like Gay Martinez, who would also be uh on the TV show Whiz Kids that I keep talking about him oh, and yeah. Max Gale. So a little reunion coming up there. I think that was in eighty three, eighty four. So, but he was—I can't see him being a kid in that. He must be like a police detective or something with Max Gale. So because he—he looks—he's not old in this by any means, but he's definitely not. <laughs> a teenager in this no
2: I honestly found like the idea like that they had to further complicate the DNA story by having it be oh it's a guy who stole it and then threw it it's like "Eh, "Eh." it just kind of nothing in this episode worked as well as the initial idea did on paper like the execution really faltered which is surprising because Barney Miller tends to not falter this hard especially when it's going in new territory that they haven't covered it's not like this is yet Another story about, you know, sex workers or strikes mm-hmm. or something. This is something completely different. And it, yeah, yeah, it's really rings hollow,
1: unfortunately. I want to say that the dentist is a lot stronger of an episode. Um, I like the whole, well, there's a couple different, obviously, a couple different storylines going on in this one as well with the dentist. The, let's say B or C plot with Arthur Mallet back and, Having him play fart noises with his hands like uh, he was in Weird Al's band or something
2: didn't really do much at all for me. Uh, Um, uh, I can't believe how much fucking like mileage they got out of that. Right, right. Because you know what? They didn't get any mileage out of it as far as I'm concerned. Like They think they got a lot. I am here to tell you they didn't. No. No. The
1: best part of the episode is the titular dentist and having... Uh, Jenny O'Hara show up as a special guest and gosh, I kind of wish that she would come back more often because she was terrific. She comes in as Sergeant Holly Schofield and she is there too. And I didn't under, understand at first, actually, when she showed up, I was like, what is this person doing? She just shows up, gives Bernie her folder with her, uh, assignment and all of her commendations. And. You're like, oh, wow, she's she means business because she doesn't crack a smile at all at first. And then it took me a minute to be like, oh, she's here to go undercover. Did they make that more clear? Was I just not paying attention?
2: No, they did not make
1: it clear. All right, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one.
2: Yeah, no, you're not. And and I don't know, like that's. Similarly to the last episode, I have that same problem of just like, you know, this show normally does a better job of outlining what is going on here. Mm -hmm. And it seems a little, yeah, it seems like we're left hanging a little bit with the Jenny O'Hare character. I mean, and her character is interesting, but I feel like we've seen her character before, too. Like this idea of like a woman who's been wrong, but secretly likes it and like secretly wants it. I'm not saying it's like problematic or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's just weird that they've gone to this well twice or at least twice, I think, because there wasn't right. one where the woman had her like feet touched and then she was like, no, but I kind of like it or something like that. Like there is some of that going on in the show. It's just it's a little odd.
1: Mm-hmm. So for the listeners at home who might be listening to the show without following along and watching all of Barney Miller with us, what is wrong with you people? But for if you are one of those freaky people. I'm not going to kink shame you at, at all, but so Jenny O'Hara is there to help catch this dentist, Dr. Richard Gesslin, DDS, who, uh, is touching, allegedly touching patients inappropriately when they're under the gas, which we've seen in so many things. That's like, I think on Seinfeld, we've seen that There's a whole movie called uncompromising Pos- positions. There's so many things like that's always the thing it's like oh yeah you go in under the gas and the doctor's going to touch you inappropriately so they get a report they um i don't think they send anybody over they might send somebody over but anyway she shows up to go undercover to be a patient and that was pretty funny and that's what finally got me when uh ernie asked how her her dental record is and she's like oh i've got two cavities and whatever and i'm like oh, okay now finally I understand what's going on. She goes over gets put under, gets some dental work done, comes back to the office. Nothing has happened. She's very disappointed that nothing has happened. Feels like a failure. Goes into, or or also like, oh, the dentist is fine. Goes into Barney's office and it's pretty much hitting on Barney because she is just totally whacked out under the gas. I've never had gas affect me this way. I don't know about you.
2: No. This is the way it affects you in the movies, as they would uh, say. Ah,
1: okay. In the in the movies. Yeah. So then they get another complaint, and that really ticks her off because she thinks, why wasn't I good enough? And then when the dentist actually comes out, comes to the station, is arrested, she point blank asks him what's going on, and he never touches anybody on their first appointment. So ba-da-ba-da-bum.
2: Yeah. Uh Kind of reminded me of there. there's an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Mac is like, went to a teacher from high school. Is like, why didn't you molest me in high school? <laughs> and it had that same vibe of like, I don't know, this didn't, this didn't, I'm not saying it didn't work. It's just, that's a really weird thing to do with a female character. It Male is. character, I can see like playing it for last, but a female character, like, because again, Jenny O'Hara is really good in this episode. She is. So that's the thing. It's, like, it's just, it's just a weird, it's just a weird story beat. It's not, I mean, again, like you mentioned, it, it's been, it's been in plenty of things. So.
1: You know, what's really weird, Chris, is that we have seen the actor that plays the dentist before Oliver Clark, who I love. He, he was fantastic on MASH. He was also the dentist in the Twilight Zone 85 segment, Tooth and Consequences. Uh, what's one uh, Kenneth Arnold, yeah. How weird is that? Pretty weird. Yeah. It's, he's, I'm
2: not saying he's not given a lot to do here, but it's like, it's one of those things where until they say that's what he's doing, they just kind of, they lead on, that's what's going on. But it could have been one of those things where he isn't doing anything, but then it turns right. out, oh, he actually is.
1: Well, and the thing is too, I'm just like, why? Why do you do this? Why, right. you know, do you have like, is that just your kink or... Do you do you have a speech where you're just like, oh, I see these helpless women, and I just get so turned on, or something? You know, this I, show's I don't not
2: know. In, this show's not interested in asking those questions. Nice. Ha 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 ha! Women being it, sexually it, assaulted while while under the gas—it's just yeah,
1: it, yeah, by it, their husbands. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's it's straight. And yeah, can we talk about Arthur Malay for a moment? Sure, please, for the love of God, what were they thinking? I know that this was a thing at the time. I know that there were like fart hand musicians, mm-hmm. right? Which was the thing, like I get it, but that probably needed to stay on the Carson show and not in a narrative show where you keep doing it. And look, mm-hmm. I know that people probably would say the same thing about, um, what's the actor who does the bop, bop, bing, the thing from Spaceballs? Is that like, I understand oh, that certain Michael. Winslow. Yeah.
1: Winslow. Yeah.
2: I get that noise things can be a little much for some people, but. I don't know, like, it, it's it's such a one-note gag throughout the entire episode. Like, it's it it, it never goes further than the one-note. Like, it really never does. And it's so shocking that they give it so much time on
1: screen, too. Well, it's weird because that story and the dent of the story, both of those take a backseat to the real stories that are going on in this episode, which is Barney is about to lose his apartment. They're going to turn it into condos. Right. And Harris has gotten the, actually, I think Harris getting the book cover was the previous episode. We forgot to mention. Uh, is that right? I think he gets the book cover in the last one. And then in this one, or, or am I mixing these up?
2: The woman makes the joke about the smutty title. And he's like, I think it's, in this. It's, it's, it's in this, it's in this episode. You're right. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Cause isn't it Jenny O'Hara who says it?
1: Oh, I take it back. The The whole thing with Barney's apartment is, is the next episode. Okay, so it's the cover for this one. So yes, it's Jenny O'Hara makes a remark about it. There's the whole thing of his author photo with the pipe. There's him calling the publishers like crazy and trying to be an asshole to them to get them to redesign the book cover right that's right so this is the whole thing so we we're covering like you know i was making fun of the last episode for not having the continuity of the vacation in there but here we have continuity from this episode to the next episode with blood on the badge or what's he call it bob at one point
2: yeah <laughs> well i, liked, I like i like that bob. harris is smoking a pipe on the back of the magazine that has his book so good it's yeah ridiculous <laughs>
1: Yeah, and everybody has to call him on that. Like, even Dietrich, did you get to keep the pipe? (laughs) (laughs) I actually,
2: I will say it's kind of interesting. Dietrich seems like a lesser presence in these two episodes, at least.
1: Yeah, it's really the next episode, People's Court, where he gets to shine a little bit more. But it's very interesting because it is that whole storyline with Barney. So Barney's losing his apartment. They're going to be turned into condos. Can he buy the condo? Well, what do you say? It's like 115 or $125,000, which even in today's money, I mean, that's kind of crazy. how I can't even imagine 1980, how much that would have been because we are here in 1980 now. Jesus. And this is before Reaganomics. I mean, the whole housing industry is just going to explode. But anyway, um,
2: it's a lot of money. It's a <laughs> well, lot. I don't money. know. I don't know how Barney could afford that.
1: I'm trying to remember how much I paid for my house. I mean, I'm still paying this sucker off, but It's
2: essentially four times. So it's Jesus. like $400,000 cuz the value of a dollar from then to now is about $3.87. Right. But at so the same like,
1: time it's New York City, so Right. So add like 6x. So yeah, yeah like Exactly. Add two more zeros to that.
2: (laughs) I don't know in what universe Barney could afford an apartment, but maybe the one where he's the police commissioner.
1: Right. Yeah. Or he's taking graft. Uh, hello, internal affairs. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) right. Right. I mean, Scanlon's going to have a great time when Harris starts making those, uh, all that bank he's talking about, which I'm sure is going to blow up in his face. And I thought for sure it was going to, by the end of the episode. No, they're really drawing this out. Yeah,
2: which I'm I'm good with. Like I I I wasn't expecting there to be an underlying
1: storyline
2: in Barney Miller, but there is. Yeah, and I'm cool with that. Frankly, like it didn't need it, but I'm glad that it's there.
1: And it's nice how Barney's storyline is playing off of Harris's storyline. So Harris is there. Apparently, he's happy with the cover of the book now, and especially he's happy because he's getting all these projections of how much it's going to sell. And they're talking about a second printing they haven't even put out the first printing yet. They're talking about um, increasing his his uh, wages and all this. And it's just like, wow, okay, Harris is doing great. Meanwhile, yeah, Barney is like, I'm going to be out of a place. I don't even know if he says Liz's name one time in this episode. I was listening for it.
2: No, it's again. Anytime they mention things about Barney's personal life, it's like, guys, can we just forget about it? Because you missed (laughs) your chance.
1: So strange. And then meanwhile, we have the titular people's court. They pick up this episode. I mean, I didn't talk about how, um, you know, the dentist guy had been in so many, Oliver Clark had been in so many episodes of Barney already and would continue to be. But this one, we've got so many returning character actors here. So Michael Tucci, the world's oldest teenager showing up as Danny Rizzo. And I just kept thinking, that's, that's like, mixing, uh, stalker Channing and John Travolta's characters together. I think from Greece suddenly becomes Danny Rizzo, but he is, our uh, what they, they found him one. Oh, he stole a hot dog. Cause he was so hungry. Cause he'd been locked up in this basement of an apartment building. And he was locked up by of all people, our good friend, Stanley Brock back again as Bruno Bender as well as uh, Howard Honig as Donald Gans, the blind man that we had a few episodes ago. And I I didn't go through and look up, oh, sorry, uh, Leon Roth is, uh, uh, Ralph Manza is the blind guy, I'm sorry about that. But I didn't look up every single person that lives in this um, apartment complex, but I think they're all... They've all been arrested before. I don't know if all of them have been, have been on the show, but they have all been taken into the twelfth precinct at one time or another.
2: Yeah, I, I you know, I think you're right, <laughs> and it's crazy. It's crazy. There, I mean, and, and you know, Ralph Monza. This is like his third time already. Stanley Brock. It's like yeah. his third time. Like Michael Tucci. It's, it is for sure his second. But yeah, it's just I don't know. Like this is for me the. Best of the three.
1: Yeah. I think so too. I mean, it could just be, I think really what was selling it for me was that interplay of Harrison and, and Barney, but also, yeah, seeing all of these people back. And then I screwed up when I mentioned Howard honig before. He is the guy that plays the census taker who does not have his liver eaten with, um, some fava beans and a nice canty. <laughs> but, um, he's pretty great that he's just so mad at the world that they won't take the time to answer his uh, census questions. So him and Dietrich, again, going back to Dietrich, he and Dietrich have some good back and forth. And then Dietrich also has some great stuff when it comes to the whole Barney thing with uh, real estate. And he comes up and he just starts talking about how the housing market is going to be going crazy and how expensive everything's going to be. And I'm just like, wow, did you have a crystal ball, Landisberg? <laughs> this is crazy. But then he he says something and then he just goes, and I just made that one up. <laughs> like, What? Why would you make up a fact? That does not sound like Dietrich at all.
2: I mean, it, it does if you assume that he's
1: a, a complete fucking psycho. <laughs> he even says another thing later on. He's like, and I'm not kidding around about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, what's weird is like they haven't used him a lot in the last two episodes. And now in this one, they felt like they, they remembered. Oh, yeah. By the way, we have Steve Andersberg on this show.
1: This is the episode where it feels like all of our main cast is really being used. I mean, all the way down to Levitt everybody's being used properly in this. And I think part of that is to your point, all of these character actors coming back, having so many people to interact with, you're going to get some, you know, good interactions with the guys from the actual uh, precinct, but they're really interacting with each other. It's more of the five guys kind of going back and forth. Yeah. Five guys. And, and just kind of like creating jibes and, and gags with each other while you have all of these other people around.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, there were plenty of people in the last two episodes, but I don't know. This one just felt different. And God, isn't Rod Colvin has been on this show a bunch, too? Like, isn't it literally everybody?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was a who's who of of people that have been arrested before. Oh, Or people that have just been on here. I mean, these are all familiar faces.
2: Yeah. that's. uh, You know what, though? Like, And that, for me, is the the thing that does stand out about this episode Mm -hmm. is just that like that weird confluence of all of these character actors who have, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think who else should have been on this episode to make it like as, as replete with people as possible. Obviously the two gay characters, um, or
1: the woman whose husband was a pet burglar. Uh, yeah, she's got the real kind of weird voice when she talks. She's not yeah. candy, uh, Azara, but she's got kind of that thing. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah, 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 man.
2: Yeah, yes. I'm trying to think who else. Um, I guess so. well he was on the last episode. We talked about the, the eyes, Don
1: Kelfa. Oh at? boy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or or Tygar, get him in there. Yeah, I want to say that the guy. Remember when they had the open house and he just kind of wandered in? He was like one of the homeless guys. Yeah, I want to say he might be coming back pretty soon. I thought I saw a thumbnail with him in it, and I was just so excited.
2: Well, I'm glad that Stanley Brock came back. I mean, i am a—he's—he's he's just so fun every time. Every time he shows up, I mean, yeah. But I only really ever think of yeah from U from UHF, obviously. Oh God,
1: <laughs> I think of him from that and from uh, Amazon Women on the Moon, where he's getting carpet stapled to his head, and he just is so happy about it. I will be
2: watching that movie later this month.
1: Oh, nice. And in that same segment, you've got Joe Pantoliano doing the, I like this company so much, I bought it.
2: <laughs> I thought we refer to him uh, by his name he's known by in the industry, Joey oh, Pants. Joey Pants, yeah.
1: Joey Pants, yeah. That's Christ. I, I've, I've written letters to Joey multiple times trying to get him to respond to interview requests. And it's probably because he's not responding, probably because I'm calling him Mr. Pantaliano instead of Mr. Pants. Uh,
2: Joe Joe Pantaliano is one of a handful of people who have responded to me on Twitter. Really? I posted I posted something about how funny I thought it was that he was in Congo (laughs) (laughs) because he's in Congo for like five minutes. Right. When they're at the air, the airport. And uh, and he was like, I forget what he said. He liked it or responded or something. But that was. Him, Gillette, and um, like one or two other people, but Joey Pantoliano, wow. yeah, and Alex Winter was one of the other ones. So yeah, Joe Pantoliano, um, jo- Joey Pants, Christ. Joey Pants. He he would be too young to be in this show, right?
1: Um, he could be a young punk. I mean, this is just a few years south of um, uh, Running Scared, where he uh was in there as a like a what was his name? Snake was his name, and he had this like multicolored stuff i mean he's already losing his hair at that age and right. just like looks really pathetic with that but i think that's part of the joke
2: yeah because that's the other thing and you kind of mentioned it at the, at the opening of the episode i'm wondering you know now as we're kind of coming towards the end of this season and we're going to be firmly in the 80s in the next season if we're going to start seeing some like more recognizable 80s character actors in the
1: show Oh, yeah
2: or if it is just, I mean, like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, like Stanley Brock, Ralph Manzel. I'm not complaining about, them. but I think that would be interesting because, you know, this show is still firmly feels like a seventies show. Like again, like everything but Ron Harris. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ron Kerry <laughs> will never not feel like he's in the seventies. So just the way he looks and the way he dresses and the way they dress him in this show. So and that hang dog look, but, uh, oh, yeah. Y- yeah, I, I think when this show works, which it works very often, it works really well. And this episode is a very good example and a strange example of we're throwing everything at the wall and it works like gangbusters.
1: Yeah. This, like you said, this is the most solid of all the episodes we watch for this one.
2: Yeah. And look, you also get more Levitt being a completely obnoxious character. Exactly. and, And I'm here for it, Richard, if you're listening. So, Otto, if you're listening. And I I do appreciate that they were so confident that we were going to like Levitt. But this has been the season where I have 180'd on Levitt. And it has been pretty much every time he's on this show now, he is a welcome presence. And for sure, in, in the first and third episode, because he was only billed in the second
1: one. Again, MVP for this season, Noam Pitlick and, yeah, these, um, you know, a lot more uh, Frank Dugan and uh, Jeff Stein. Uh, they did both the dentist and People's Court, and then it was Rich Reinhardt and Jay Brasher um, for the DNA story. So, uh, luckily, we're coming back to Tony Shaheen character. Uh, sorry, Tony Sheehan territory next month, Chris. So that'll be great.
2: Yeah, that that was the other thing that I kind of noticed as well is the, the the team behind some of these episodes. This this episode were it's not that they weren't good. It's just that I don't think they had the same level of confidence that the main kind of no one say writer's room, but groups that we've seen show up plenty of times. They really have a, 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 they have a really strong hold on those characters. And when people come in and they don't, they have things, like Ron Harris talking to a female character in the bathroom when it should have just been Barney. And it's like, it's just because you're not as well-versed in the the character kind of dichotomy as someone who has written for the show plenty of episodes.
1: So we will be back with those next month. Until then, Chris, what are you working on?
2: Weirdingwaymedia.com is what I'm working on, which is a place to find shows that you can listen to that are very similar to this one, not just in content, but also in the people that host it. Either Mike or I or a whole other host of people host shows on weirdingwaymedia.com, like the uh, award-nominated Uh, 80s tv ladies uh which is nominated for an award right now uh hosted by susan lambert Haddam and sharon johnson so go listen to that i mean i'm sure if you're into barney miller you're probably into 80s tv shows and maybe you don't know a whole lot about 80s tv shows that are female-led but they can take you on that journey just like we've been going on this journey with barney miller so that's where you can go weirdingwaymedia.com what about you mike what keeps you up at night
1: oh well the spookiness of the night gallery is what Keeps me up at night. And so that's why we do a show called Midnight Viewing. It is a night gallery podcast with you and me, but it's really hosted by Father Malone, one of our fellow lunatics here at WeirdingWaymedia.com.
2: One of the weirdos at Media? Weirdies? Weirdies well, is that what weirdies the, is that we call them?
1: Sure. <laughs> all of our fans.
2: Sure. <laughs> the weirdies. Sounds like the award we would give to people, the the first annual weirdies.
1: Well, yeah, because it's like we wouldn't have Swifties, obviously, because that's Taylor Swift. But you know how Lady Gaga has monsters, right? So, yeah, I think the weirdies would be the awards. And then I don't know what our fans would be. I guess we first have to find. Yeah, weirdos. There you go. (laughs) We have to find the fans. Oh, they're there. Fan, Yeah. (laughs) The one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I turned off a listener today because I called Blade Runner 2049 ponderous, and he was just like, I'm not even going to listen to this. Because if you say that about the movie just in the description, I don't want to hear what you have to say about the movie in the episode. It's Step like, that wow. people's toes all the time. <laughs> it's White. ponderous, man. It's fucking yeah.
2: ponderous. It's infantile. How pedantic we are.
1: All right. Well, until uh, we can give you a goddamn death dedication to a small dog named Snuggles, Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to John Walker for doing our theme song. And thank everyone within the sound of my voice. I already thanked you, but I'm thanking you again.